This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Christianity say about this? Or what does Christianity say about that? And what does Christianity say about uh, abortion? Or what does Christianity say about uh, euthanasia? Uh, what does it say about global warming? What does Christianity say about same-sex marriage? What does Christianity say about suffering? But how does the pastor reply? How does he respond? Well, he's begun to reply by saying, you're asking me the wrong question. How? Huh? What do you mean you're asking me the wrong question? Well, the right question really is, did Jesus rise from the dead? Did Jesus rise from the dead? That is the right question to ask. That must be the first question that you need to ask. That is the foundational question that you need to begin with. Why is that? Because if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then it really doesn't matter what Christianity says about this or what Christianity says about that. In fact, it really doesn't matter at all what Christianity has to say about anything. We should all go, like what I was saying before, we should all go and find better things to do, maybe to eat and drink and be happy. Because Christianity is a religion by which the resurrection of Jesus Christ stands or falls. Right. So for Christianity, it's either Jesus rises or it's bust. Right. There's, like, there's no Christianity at all. And... The reason why I'm saying this is not because it's just my opinion or it's a, you know, some, you know, this pastor in New York's opinion, but it's what God's word, the Bible says that the, the, the Christianity is all about the resurrection or is about nothing. So I want you to remember when Jesus was doing his ministry, even if you're unfamiliar with Christianity, you'll know that uh, Jesus had 12 apostles. Okay, so, Twelve apostles, they traveled with Jesus constantly. Now, what was the main job of the apostles after Jesus died? What was their KPI? What was the key performance indicator? What was their main purpose in life? Was it healing? No. Was it uh, preaching? Yeah, maybe. Was it pastoring? Perhaps. But actually their main KPI was the word that begins with W, which is witnessing. And that's what we've actually been reading in today's passages that we read in the responsive reading, as well as in the Bible reading before the sermon. So in Luke chapter 24, it actually says, Then Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are, the big W word, witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And again in Acts chapter 1, which we just read, it said, Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what were the apostles meant to do? 
What was their purpose? What was their KPI? It was not just to heal or to preach or to pastor. First up, their foremost responsibility were to be witnesses. And it was not just to witness Jesus' life, you know, what he ate, to write his autobiography about, uh, you know, his feelings about various things, but it was primarily the witness of his resurrection. Now again, for those of you who may be joining us here for the first time or you're not very familiar with Christianity, you will still know the name Judas. Right? So if someone says to you, you are a Judas, they're not complimenting you right? or saying that you know, your parents should have named you differently or maybe you want to wonder why is it nobody is actually named Judas. It's because Judas is actually the name of the betrayer of Jesus. So if someone calls you a Judas, they're basically calling you a betrayer. So Judas, one of the twelve apostles, betrayed Jesus, and Jesus went to the cross. Now when Jesus went to the cross, Judas then hung himself and committed suicide. And then Jesus rose again. So after Jesus returned back into the company of his disciples, they had a problem. There were twelve minus one. There were twelve minus Judas, which were meant there were eleven. So they put out a job advertisement for someone to replace Judas. What were the qualities that they were looking for? Right? What, what, what qualifications, what experience, what, what, what university did this person have to go to in order to become the twelfth apostle? Well, in Acts chapter 1 again, it says, Therefore it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. Beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So the main role of the apostles was a witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It wasn't how smart they were, which university they went to, their academic background, their, their job experience. It was being a witness to the resurrection of Jesus. Now why is it so important that they may have to be a witness of Jesus' resurrection? I think because to be a witness is to testify to the truth. That's what a witness is, right? I mean, if you, if you look at the definition of a witness, it's, it's someone who attests to, to give evidence or proof or to confirm, to verify, to corroborate, to substantiate, to demonstrate and establish truth. Right, because you've seen something, you've heard something, you've experienced something. And this is a very important principle because even today in the courts of Singapore, even in the days of DNA testing, CSI evidence and CCTV, you still need witnesses because a witness eye testimony shows you what is truth. So a few years ago, I was asked to give evidence as a witness. Um, I was witness to a car accident where a taxi hit another car. So at the traffic junction, the taxi said that he had a green light, which gave him the right to turn right. And then this other car beat the red light and hit him. The other car said that he had the green light and the taxi driver turned too fast. And, and therefore the taxi driver was at fault. And, uh, he had the right of way. 
Now, what is the truth? You can't have both people having green lights, right? It's just not possible. <laughs> not possible to both have green lights, right? I mean, if one is green, the other is red, and if one, the other one is green, the other one is red. So who had the green light? Well, as a witness, my role was to testify to what was the truth, right? What really happened? What was the reality? So, uh, if you can turn off the, 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 the light, I'll show you what happened, right? Uh, could you press the, the, no, no, the, no, 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 the one that circled the green, yeah, 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 okay. Okay, so here you go. Okay, it's actually one o'clock in the morning. I don't usually drive around so late at night. <laughs> okay, so you can decide for yourself whether the light was green or red. You'll see what I'm seeing. So you all be witnesses together with me. Okay, so we're coming up. Traffic light junction is there. The lights are green, yes. Okay, then they turn yellow, red. Okay, I'm a good driver. See, I slow down. Okay, then the car comes through. Oh, then the taxi hits him. Okay, so... Together with me, you are now witnesses of what happened to this occasion, right? So, who was right and who was wrong? Well, obviously, the car was in the wrong, right? He went through the red light, the taxi driver had a green light, and he hit the, ta- the taxi. So, I was called to the police station to give a testimony of what really happened. I, I gave a testimony, I, I gave them the video clip. I signed at the bottom of the, the statement form to show that I was serious about my eyewitness testimony to say that this is what really happened. But the apostles, they didn't sign a statement form and say, oh, this is what really happened. Because the reality is that actually the 12 apostles, they gave their lives in order to bear witness to the reality of Jesus' resurrection. See, we know, uh, the next slide, from church history that out of the 11 apostles, 11, so out of the 12 apostles, uh, 11 of them died uh, as martyrs. Okay, So they were crucified. Some of them were crucified upside down. They were stoned. They were beheaded. They were speared. Some of them were clubbed and whipped to death. And only one person uh, didn't die. Uh, he died a natural death. He, he was exiled. Now, this shows how serious the 12 apostles were in giving witness to the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's very easy for me, right, to go to the police station to sign a statement form saying, this is what I really saw. But if you ask me, would I be willing to die to say that the, you know, the guy cut through the red light in the taxi, I mean, I'm not so sure I would I be willing to die for that fact. But, but these, these apostles were willing to die for what they witnessed with their eyes, the resurrection of Jesus. Now, many people will say that, well, you know, People die for all sorts of things, right? People die for country. People die for their people. People die for their religion. They die for what they believe in. But here we see that these 12 apostles, they died for what they witnessed. Why would they die for something which they knew was not true? Why would they die for a lie? Unless Jesus really resurrected and gave them the promise of eternal life, why would they be willing to be crucified, to be beheaded, to be speared, to be stoned, to be whipped to death? They were willing to die as witnesses because what they saw was true and had such a great impact on them. But it's not just the twelve apostles who witnessed the resurrection of Jesus. 
Because we read in the 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 15, uh, verse 1, it says, Now, brothers, I want to, re- want to remind you <clears throat> of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, <clears throat> you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. See, how do we understand why this person, Jesus, could cause the explosion of Christianity 2,000 years ago in the face of opposition of the Roman Empire and his own people, the Jews. It is because Jesus' resurrection was witnessed by so many people and transformed the understanding of who Jesus was and what it meant for Jesus. You see, there's a logic in coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, when I first became a Christian in uh, at the age of about 21. It was in the last year of my university and I was reading the Bible uh, with, uh, with this person. And as I read the Bible after a couple of weeks, it dawned on me that there was a real possibility that actually Jesus was someone different from who I thought he was and that he had risen from the dead and he had done all these miracles. And I sort of like had this feeling that maybe I would like to go back a few weeks before and go back in time so that I wouldn't have to have all these uncomfortable truths that were confronting me. But I couldn't go back in time, right? Because once you experience the Bible, once you've read through the Bible, once you've reached the conviction that Jesus rose from the dead, you can't go back to where you were before. And so I was forced to, to ask myself this question. Either I say that Jesus is a fraud and everything is one big lie, or that Jesus really rose from the dead, and if he rose from the dead, then uh, the next slide, I'll be like this. Right? I'm sort of painted in this corner. Because if Jesus rose from the dead, all right, then it must mean that I must change the way I view Jesus. And it must mean that there must be impact in my life. Because the resurrection of Jesus is not just a historical curiosity which you know remains 2,000 years ago, but, but actually affects me right now, right here, today. So I couldn't go back in time, and I was sort of like painted in this corner, right? And I was, I was like forced to struggle with what does it mean now that Jesus has been risen from the dead? It means two things according to the Bible. So again, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, it says, Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brother, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So what does the resurrection of Jesus Christ mean? 
The resurrection of Jesus Christ means that Jesus is both Lord and Christ. Lord means ruler. He's, he's a ruler. Christ means king, right? eternal king. So Jesus rose from the dead. It means that he is king and ruler. King and ruler corporately over everybody, but, but, but more personally, he must be ruler and king personally over me, right? And that's where things get a bit complicated because if he is the ruler and king over my life, it means that, that I'm not ruler and king over my life. It means I need to repent. I, I need to turn away from living life the way I want to live and live the way that the ruler and King Jesus want me to live. Now that makes it very hard to be a Christian. That, that what, that, that's what people struggle with, I think, in becoming a Christian. See, C.S. Lewis, and I've got a few quotes from C.S. Lewis today, so bear with me. He says, the terrible thing, the most, the almost impossible thing is to hand over your whole self, all your wishes and precautions to Christ. And I think that's very true. You know, it's very hard for us to give up control over our own lives to someone else. Right? We resist it. We don't want to give control of our lives to anybody. But Jesus' resurrection demands that we give our life in repentance to Jesus as ruler and Christ. There was a very famous uh, atheist by the name called Bertrand Russell. Have you ever heard of Bertrand Russell? He wrote this very famous book called Why I'm Not a Christian. So later in life, a reporter asked him this question. You know, uh, Bertrand, if, um, I think it's Sir Bertrand Russell anyway. So if you, if you, if you go, if you die and, and you find yourself before God in heaven or, or in judgment, right? And then what are you going to say to God? I know, because after all, all your life you've been saying that you're not a Christian, you don't believe in God, right? So what, what would you say to God? So Bertrand Russell said, you know what I'll say to God? I'll say, evidence. Not enough evidence. But I think the problem with Bertrand Russell really is not evidence. The problem is commitment. That is the problem. Because we have evidence of Jesus in the eyewitness testimony that we've been given through the twelve apostles and in the Bible and innumerable ways. It is not the problem of evidence, the problem is of commitment. The commitment that Jesus, because of his resurrection, must rule over my life and must be king over my life and I must repent. You see, a comparable person in the same time of Jesus was another J, right? So Jesus Christ. This is Julius Caesar. Okay? So you notice it's a, both JCs, right? But we don't have a problem believing in Julius Caesar. I, I think most people will believe in Julius Caesar, right? Why is it we, we have no trouble believing in one J, but we have a big problem believing in the other J? Because whether Julius Caesar lives or dies really doesn't matter to me, right? He has no commitment. I, I, he doesn't claim any repentance or faith or commitment from me. Because Julius Caesar didn't rise from the dead. But Jesus Christ rises from the dead and claims my allegiance, my loyalty, my wishes, my precautions. He must be ruler and Christ and king over my life. 
So that's what the resurrection of Jesus means first and foremost. But the resurrection of Jesus also means another thing. And this comes in Acts chapter 13. Okay, So in Acts chapter 13 it says, Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he was seen by those who traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins has been proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. Now, the resurrection of Jesus brings, in a very confronting way, two big no-nos in the world that we live in. Okay, what are these two big no-nos? The big no-nos, the first no-no is sin, and the other no-no is judgment. Uh, I had a friend of mine who is a pastor who went to Scandinavia and he was talking to Christians there, and they said that it is very offensive to say sin and judgment. Because when you say those two things, then you're implying that uh, I am a sinner and I'm facing judgment. That's very offensive to me, you know. Right? Who are you to tell me I'm a sinner and I'm, a, I'm facing judgment, right? You're saying that there's something wrong with me. But the resurrection of Jesus actually brings that to the table. Right? The resurrection of Jesus actually says, there is sin, I'm a sinner, there is judgment, I'm facing judgment. Uh, again, there's this C.S. Lewis quote which says, right, God did not tell Jesus, Jesus didn't tell us to go into the world and tell the world that everything is quite right. Jesus says, go into the world and tell the world that it is not right. Uh, at this point, this is where people get offended. Uh, people get offended at Jesus because he tells them that they are not right. That they are sinners, they're sin, and they're facing judgment. But you can see how this is logical. Uh, imagine I'm a thief. I'm a criminal, I've stolen things, I've gone to people's houses, I've taken their stuff. If I get caught by the police, it's not good enough for the police to say to me, okay, Andrew, you really need to repent of your thieving, right? No more going to people's houses and breaking in and just grabbing whatever you feel like, taking their laptops and their phones. There must be justice. I must pay back to society. I must, I've broken the law. I must, I must face the law and the full force of the law and pay back what I've I've stolen, either through my time and through civil damages, all that stuff. It's the same thing before God. God cannot say, okay, just repent. God also says, there must be judgment, there must be justice. But the fantastic thing that the resurrection of Jesus does, is it doesn't tell us the negative side to sin and judgment. It tells us the positive side Forgiveness and justification are two sides of the same coin, right? When I forgive you, it is the relational side. God forgives us and relationally says, you, I have nothing against you. We are, we are okay now. We are right. Justification is a legal term. He's basically saying, okay, you've broken the law. You, 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 you're required to face the full force of the law, but, but you've been declared innocent. 
The resurrection of Jesus actually is doing that for us. He's saying to us that his work on the cross, two days ago on Good Friday, has been effective. We have been forgiven. We have been justified legally. Someone once accused a speaker of trying to scare them into believing in Jesus. Right? By talking about all this scary stuff like sin and judgment. But the speaker said, don't blame me, blame Jesus. Because the resurrection of Jesus actually is a sign that there is sin and there is judgment. But the good news is he has paid for our sin and our judgment. See, when the witnesses saw the resurrection of Jesus, it wasn't so that Jesus could get a viral video right, and, and, and have magic shows in the Marina Bay Sands or something, right? It's not like, you know, Jerusalem's got talent, right? So there's this guy going around resurrecting himself. The reason for Jesus' resurrection is to show us who he was and how we need to respond. The reality of the world. So if you look at this slide, I'll try to break it up for you. Right? So the resurrection of the dead from Jesus tells us that he must be Lord and Christ, right? ruler and king. And our response must be repentance. But it also tells us that Jesus is Savior. And it's only by having faith in Jesus that we can have forgiveness and justification. Now, this is the bare basics of what Jesus is doing. I mean, there's so much more to say. But you can see why it is that in Easter we, we really celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Because the resurrection of Jesus brings for us so much. Right? It brings for us the knowledge of who we are, who God is. It allows us to access the reality of our relationship with God. We know that we are forgiven. We know that we are justified. We know who God is. We know that Christ is ruler and king. We know that we have to live in a certain way. So I like what uh, why I was actually saying. That actually in the world that we live in, uh, we are all actually religious. Right? Even if we are atheists, uh, we have religion in a sense. So if you define religion as the way of understand a unified understanding of the world, right? Where we come from, where we are going, who we are, what is our very essence, is there a God? In view of the overarching thing, even if you're atheist, then you, 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 you have a unified understanding of all those questions. But the problem is, the resurrection of Jesus actually forces us to change that unified understanding of the world. The, the resurrection of Jesus allows us to understand all those questions in a unified way. Who we are, where we are coming from. What is our very nature? What is our worth? Is there a God? All those things are answered by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So today as you hear about Jesus, uh, what will your response be? Uh, over the last few weeks and different uh, settings I've, I've read about, oh, you know, sometimes people walk out in the middle of the sermon. Well, thankfully you're all still here, right? Uh, you know, there may be some people who after... They find out what Jesus, they say, oh, no, thank you very much. You know, I just want to live my life to the full, eat, drink, and be merry till I die. 
Someone once said to me something that was very honest. I was sharing the, the good news of them, of the Bible, uh, to them, and they, they said, stop! Stop, 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 stop! Alright. I'm getting convinced, right? And I, and I know that if, if I, if I believe what you tell me, it's gonna turn my whole life upside down, right? So I don't want to hear anymore. Okay, so at least they were very honest. Uh, I had a, a friend of my sister who was a medical student and I shared the good news of the of Jesus with them. And they said, okay, okay, I, I'm convinced, I'm convinced. But I'm not ready yet. Uh, I'll become a, I'll believe in Jesus and, and change my life after I become successful. So today, he's a very successful dermatologist. You know, he skits, uh, treats skin, skin problems and everything. So I, I spoke to him a while ago and he said, oh, you know, it's too late for me, Andrew. He said, you know, I've got a wife and kids now. Uh, you know, I've got a lot of priorities. They're not Christians and all that sort of stuff. And I, I, it's too late for me to become a Christian. So the question that I want to put before you today, this Easter, is you know, how will you react to the eyewitness testimony of the resurrection of Jesus? Right, what would you do with this information I've given you? Because you know you can't go back half an hour <laughs> to before you came, right? Uh, is that what C.S. Lewis says? I'd like to leave you with this one quote that he said. Uh, next slide. He said, Now is our chance to choose the right side. Right, God is holding back to give us that chance. It won't last forever. We must take it. Or leave it. And I think that's very true. Uh, you can leave here today and you can forget about everything that has been spoken. Uh, but you have to make a choice, right? You have to make a decision. You can't just sort of leave it. You, 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 you just have to say, well, look, I, if, I, if the Jesus has really resurrected, then what does it mean for me? I can't just say it's like Julius Caesar. Right? It has to have an implication. Or do you just say, oh, it's all a complete lie and, and I'm not going to believe it. But you can't sit on the fence. You have to make a decision on the resurrection of Jesus. Okay, I'm going to invite you to pray to God now and uh, ask you to, uh, to, to, to ask Him to help you to make that choice. Dear Father, as we come before you today, we want to thank you for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We thank you that it wasn't done in some dark hidden corner, but it was done out in the open, witnessed by many people, and that uh, these witnesses were willing to testify to his resurrection, and even willing to die martyr's death for what they witnessed. Dear Father, help us to see that the resurrection of Jesus means that he is our Lord, our ruler, our Christ, our King. And therefore, He rules over my life and I need to repent and live life His way. Dear Father, help us to see as well that the resurrection of Jesus means that through Him, I am saved, that we are saved and He is our Savior. Help us to put our faith in Him so that we may receive forgiveness of sins and be justified and declared innocent in judgment. And we pray that as we are challenged by His resurrection today, this Easter Sunday, that You help us not to sit on the fence, not to linger, but rather to make a difficult decision. To see that the resurrection of Jesus Christ really does paint us into a corner. It is either a lie, or He is Savior and Christ. And we pray for all these things in Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at bcpc.sg.